It's not on? It is on. Hey, welcome home. Hey, my name's Steve, and uh, it's joy to be here. I'm just excited to be able to be together, to be able to celebrate what God is continuing to do in us. I, I keep saying it uh, but because I want us to get it, but we're not waiting for God to, to do something special. We're experiencing God doing something special in and through us, God's church, that we get to be a part of what God is doing, that we have been invited by God into relationships so that we can be the people that he wants us to be, so that we can love people, so that we can uh, relate to people, so that we can be more like Jesus and encourage others to be like Jesus as well, so that we can be inspired by the presence of Jesus in our lives, so that we can reflect that presence into the world around us. And my hope is that if you're joining us, even if it's for the very first time, if so, hi, welcome. Whether it's online or in person, we're just excited that you're with us. Uh, But the hope that we have is that God will do such a profound work in us that through us, Christian County will change. Through us, the world will be changed because not we're prideful and believe that we can do it on our own, but we serve a big God, a God who can make a difference in this world. And, And we may not be perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus Christ. And so we want to invite you on a journey with us so that together we can grow in relationship with God, grow in relationship with one another, and make a difference in the world around us. Uh, That's really why we're starting this brand new message series called Not In It to Win It. Uh, It's based on a book by uh, author and pastor Andy Stanley. Uh, When I read this book, I immediately gave out about five copies of it, some to other pastors that I knew, some to people that I knew that I was like, this book really needs to just be be out there because the the information that he presents is, is pretty profound. And for me, it was something that I was like, I, I, we really have to address it. I felt like it was a prophetic message. I really, truly did um, and felt like it's something that we should be addressing as well. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to jump in and talk about what it means not in it to win it. Uh, and the context in which he is talking about this uh, is the year 2020. I don't know if you remember 2020 or not. Uh, I kind of do. <laughs> And it was rough. Um, It was rough for all of us. Uh, From a personal standpoint, just my experience, I was confused. Um, Confused by the relationships that people had, confused by the way people interacted with each other, confused by so many things, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, who was right, who was wrong, why why people were getting so upset with one another, why there was no, uh, you know, ability to, I don't know, communicate. I was tired. I was tired of being a pastor because every Sunday would be like, well, are we going to do something new or are we doing the same old thing? Do we have a mask mandate? Do we not have a mask mandate? If we have masks, people are safe. If we don't have masks, people might come because they don't want to come if they have to wear masks. What do we do with everything? Everything became a question. I was just tired. And my guess is that you, you experienced some of that as well. I was angry. I was angry at the situation. I was angry at God. I was angry at the the politics and the things going on there. I was angry at the, the, the virus and the things going on there. And I was like, God, you could do something. That would be amazing. How about just come back right now? That'd be super swell. Uh, and so it was just difficult for us to figure out what to do. I was sad. I was sad because people stopped treating people like they were people. They started treating people like they were less than like there was no value in them, like there was nothing good that they had to offer. Because why? 
because they had a different opinion than they did. And they became the enemy. And, and it didn't matter what political side you were on, what, what vaccine side you were on. If anybody opposed you, they were either an idiot or the enemy. And it, it was so difficult. I felt like I was living in a nightmare, to be totally honest. I felt like I, hopefully I'm going to wake up and either zombies are going to be eating people because that would be preferable to what was going on, or we could do something different and, and things would be back to the way it was. And I think this all stems, it all stems from a trend that had begun before 2020, but really festered and became so much of an exclamation point in 2020. And that was we've forgotten how to communicate. We've forgotten how to talk to one another. Because if you don't agree with me, suddenly you are the enemy. Or if I don't agree with you, God forbid, then I would be the enemy. That I would be somebody that you need to go after. And, and, and if you disagree, it's like hatred. Like, if you don't agree with me, you hate me. And I, I was like, guys, that's not how communication works. What boggles my mind about that whole thing is, I know just from my personal experience that in a year from now, I might have a different understanding of the world than I do now. My, my, my perception might shift. I don't know. It's crazy, right? My perception might shift in a year, and, and I'm holding people to my level of accountability that I can't even maintain myself. And it was mind-boggling. And honestly, what this makes me think of is... Uh, when I was in the Navy, I got to work on this thing called identification friend or foe. It was, it was a radar tool that's used by the military to, uh, anytime an aircraft flies in, it says, hey, if it's got a green circle around it, then hey, they're friendly. Let's not shoot those guys down. If it's got a red circle, then they're not friendly. Let's shoot those guys down. There's two choices with IFF. And I think our internal IFF is broken. We, we've lost the ability to identify who is a friend and who truly is a foe. Because now everybody's a foe unless they align with us. Everybody's a foe unless they agree with us. Everybody's a foe unless fill in whatever blank you want to. And it's so difficult. It's so difficult for us to figure out where to go next. And the truth is that we... <laughs> We were on display for the world during 2020 as the church. And our response, our response really wasn't where it should have been. Uh, and Andy Stanley says this, although our actions may not reveal our heart, our reactions most certainly do. Our reactions reveal what's really on the inside. And boy, did our reactions speak volumes right? We couldn't get along with people. We told people what they should and shouldn't do. We told people how they should and shouldn't think. And, and if they didn't agree with us, then we demonized them. And I mean that 100%. Uh, we said that they were filled with the demons of the world or whatever, so that we could get other people on our side. Our reaction as Christians and Christian leaders, honestly, was quite embarrassing. I, I was embarrassed for my king, Jesus. Uh, and and what, 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 what did we demonstrate to the world? One thing that we as evangelical Christians demonstrated to the world was that we love above everything else winning. If we win, then we win. Everything's good if we win. But if we don't, then things are awful. 
And what do we hate more than anything else? Losing. And if we lose, then they did it to us. Right? And, and so the difficulty that I have is that we struggle in this together. And what's crazy is that both sides felt the same way. I went to the polls to cast my vote. This was, I was casting my vote for my new uh, stepfather-in-law. Uh, and I was casting my vote because I wanted him to continue doing what he was doing so that he would still be friends with me and let me marry his daughter. There, there you go. Um, I love you, Ralph. Uh, so I went, went to the polls, and I'm standing in line, and I, I'm not even making this up. There was a guy that was standing up at the front, and he goes, that guy looks like a Democrat. You can smell the fire and brimstone. Like, he's condemning him to hell because he looks like looks like a Democrat. I was like, come on, what is wrong with you people? Don't, don't, Democrats aren't the only ones, that, you know, Republicans aren't the only ones. I, I heard several Democrats say, They're, those Republicans are taking us to hell in a handbasket. I don't know how hell can fit in a handbasket, but that's where they're going. And what's insane is that, uh, that we are on both sides, we are demonizing the other side. We're saying that you are all, and I want, I'm going to pause here and, and give everybody a moment for breathing. Uh, here's the deal. I am not going to tell you who you should vote for. That's not my job. That's between you, God, and your conscience. I'm not going to tell you what policies you should vote on because quite frankly, it's illegal and we can't be a church if I'm doing that. So here's what I am going to do. I'm going to push. And this message series is probably going to chafe a little bit. It's not going to be the most pleasant, and I think that's because we all have some work to do in this. We have some, some room to grow into a better relationship with Jesus so that we can love people the way that Jesus wants us to. Uh, not not a, a concept of who or whom to vote for, but instead a broader view of what it means to love neighbor like yourself and, and who that neighbor is crazy. It could be the Democrat or Republican that you so despise because we all saw it. We all lived through it. And the worst part is that 2020 now in hindsight just seems like it was the beginning and it's still here with us. We, we've forgotten how to talk to one another, how to relate to one another. And, and, and it burdens my soul to the point that we have to address it. Uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe I have to address it in my own life, but I think we have to address it because we've lost sight of who we are as followers of Jesus, as Christians. Did you know the first time that that term was ever used was in a place called Antioch? Um, the book of Acts records this scene. Uh, there's a guy named Barnabas, and he goes after Saul. Uh, Saul is also named Paul, uh, Paul is the author of mo most of the books of the New Testament. And so Saul goes with Barnabas to Antioch. It says this, Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Uh, when we hear the believers were first called Christian, a lot of times what goes on in our head is we're like, okay, that's a good religious moment. They were called Christian. Uh, we don't understand that truly when they were called Christian, Christian was a slur. 
It was, it was not like the, the, the Christ followers weren't like, you know what we should call ourselves, guys, Christians. No, what happened was the people in Antioch were like, those Christians, they're always getting in the way. I'm using a whiny voice on purpose because they probably whined about it. I don't know. Uh, but when we hear it, we're hearing uh, something about a religion, that they're followers of Jesus, the God, Messiah, the, the one who came to make a better way. But this isn't a religious term at all. This isn't meant to be religious. It was meant to be political. There weren't groups of people that were known as Jupiterians, those who followed the god Jupiter, which was the equivalent of Zeus. There wasn't a Zeusarians. They didn't exist. There weren't even Martians. Wait for it. There we go. Uh, not, not the little green men on the red planet, uh, but people who thought that Mars, the god of war, was the one that you should follow. It was a political term. There were Caesarians. They, they were followers of Caesar. There were Herodians. They were followers of Herod. There were Neronians after Jesus. They followed Nero. This term, Christian, wasn't because of their faith in God. Or it was because of their faithfulness to their king, Jesus. This is a term that is politically created so that it says, hey, those guys, those guys are aligned to Jesus, their king. This is what really irritated Rome. The issue of the day wasn't what God with a little g they served, but that Jesus claimed lordship of their lives. That Jesus said, I am your king and you serve me. And that was the problem. You could serve any number of gods. The reason there weren't Jupiterians over Martians or Zeusarians is because who cares what God you serve? We serve all the gods because all the gods are worthy of service. But when you throw kingship into the mix, it messes the whole process up. And the people that are comfortable with worshiping whatever God you want are uncomfortable because you are pledging allegiance not to a flag, not to a nation, but to God himself. And if Jesus is your king, king of the universe, then you are a Christian, one who serves King Jesus. This picture is something that can change our understanding of how we read a little bit of the New Testament. There's a scene in the New Testament where Paul, that same Paul that was in Tarsus, that was at Antioch when they got the name Christian, where he goes, uh, he's been arrested in Jerusalem and he's put on trial. And so he, he is talking to this great king, Agrippa, who is a political ruler, right? And he is talking to Agrippa. And what does he do? He explains all of it, all the way across. This is the, why you should serve King Jesus. Not why you should have a conversion, O great King Agrippa. Not why your heart should be strangely warm, but why you should serve the King of all creation. Uh, because, I mean, if you think about it, if Jesus is who he says he is, and he came to usher in a new kingdom then if you follow Jesus, you serve the God of that kingdom and the king 
of that kingdom who is Jesus. And so Paul lays it all out for him. Says, hey, this is how it is. This is why you should serve him. And, and Agrippa interrupts him. Do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian, not religion, a Christian, a follower of King Jesus so quickly? I love Paul's response. Paul holds up his chains and he says, apart from these chains, O great king, I wish just that, that you would do just that. It, it, it's political, 100% political, not geopolitical though. We can't get confused with that. That was a problem that the Jews had in the very beginning. The Jews expected a Messiah that would come and then that Messiah would kick Rome out and they would be set free and their kingdom, Judea, would be on the same level that it had been when David was king of Judea. And, and, and that's not what Jesus came for. Jesus says, my kingdom is not a geopolitical kingdom. My kingdom is not here. My kingdom is spirit. My kingdom comes from heaven. My kingdom is not the same as what is in their heads. And so when, when we see that, we can understand a little bit more that Jesus didn't come for geopolitical power. He came to seek and save that which is lost. You and me, Democrats, Republicans, rich, poor, young, old, ethnicities that are different from us. All of it. Jesus came to seek and serve that which is lost. Jesus calls us to include and not alienate. This is key, friends, because so many of us have gotten into that comfortable feeling of I'm right, and if I'm right, they're wrong, and if they're wrong, they don't deserve the same things that I deserve. And we cannot by our words and our deeds, be in union with the Holy Spirit and exclude half of a nation from God's grace. Jesus didn't say it was okay. Paul doesn't say it's okay. We understand that Christ came for everyone. And the problem is we think to ourselves, Christ came for everyone except for those guys because those guys are beyond anything. Christ came to restore relationships. Christ comes to include, to draw us into a new relationship, uh, to, to form us so that we can be in relationship with people that are different than us politically, that are different than us economically, that are on different sides of the virus uh, conversation with us, or spiritually, that they think that God is a figment of our imagination, that God came for them too. And God comes for those, even those that are different than us intellectually, for those of us who feel like we sit up on some kind of a soapbox with our intellectual prowess, that God came for all of us, and we cannot say they don't deserve it because they disagree with me because that puts you in disagreement with God. And this is hard stuff, friends. This is hard stuff. And we can hear this and we can be like, man, well, that's almost impossible because I don't know, Pastor Steve, do you know the people that live in my family? Right? <laughs> they are in my family too. Don't sweat it. <laughs> we're all in this together. Uh, we can struggle with the people that we're trying to communicate with, and quite frankly, they can struggle trying to communicate with us. And so how, how can we move through this? How can we navigate this? And I think Paul, once again, we're going to talk about Paul. Paul writes a letter to a church in Corinth, and I think it paints a great picture on how we could 
navigate these waters. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, not Jews, but they followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find, let's catch this, common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. <laughs> we can hear that. We can be like, come on, Paul, pick a side. You're wishy-washy. You're, you're saying you do one thing with one group of people, and then you do another thing with another group of people. How can you not pick a side? Why can't you pick a side? You've got to pick a side. Everything in our conversation has been, what side are you on? And don't take a side, take a stand for King Jesus. We've got to get past this us or them mentality because God has sent us for them. And if they're far from God, you're the one that can bring that message to them. And this, I said, is going to be uncomfortable. We need to take a stand to love others like Jesus, no matter where they are. And so maybe you're sitting out there and you're like, well, again, you don't know the people that are in my family or in my friend group or that I used to have as friends. And so how, how could I possibly do that? And here's, here's what I have done. I'm not saying it's going to work for everybody. I uh, just want to have this as a, a, a possibility to move forward. Ask yourself, why? Why do you think they're acting like that? Why do you think they're saying that? Was there something in their past maybe that caused them to believe differently than you? Have their experience, could they possibly be different? And that's why they ha are different for you. Maybe they're dumb. I mean, that's a possibility. Maybe they're crazy. Maybe they're confused. And you guys are laughing. You can't leave it there because maybe you're dumb. Maybe you're crazy. Maybe you're confused. And then once you get to that place where you're like, maybe, maybe there's something else going on, ask yourself, how would I treat them if I love them? This is, this is, hello, 90s bracelet, what would Jesus do, right? I mean, this is exactly what it is. What would Jesus do in that situation? How should you relate to them if you are filled with love for them? Now, this is where it gets really hard, and I'm not, I'm not standing up here saying, oh, this is simple, just no problem, just do this. I'm saying this is the hard work of being a follower of Jesus, that we have a king that we serve that we need to go ask and ask these questions on how, how we can serve them. And then ask themselves, are they really my enemy? Because that doesn't exclude them from your love. Because Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
Jesus calls us into this relationship. So really, what I want you to do is ask yourself whatever question leads you away from friend versus foe. Because it's not us or them. It's us for them. That we are in this world so that we can share love and grace. We are in this world to serve, not ourselves, but King Jesus. Christ came to restore, not to divide. Christ came to include, to invite, and to love. And that means that we can invite those who are politically different from us, those who are economically different from us, those who are spiritually different from us, those who think we're dumb because we believe in an invisible guy that lives in our hearts, or those who are intellectually different from us. We have to stop excluding people based on our logic. And we need to start including people based on God's love. They are worthy of God's love. We are worthy of God's love. Together, we are the family of God, called into relationship to love one another and to build up. King Jesus commands us, let's love our enemies, pray for those who persecute us, Bless those who are far from us and be the people that Jesus believes we can be. Let's pray. Gracious God, sometimes what you ask of us is a lot. And so we recognize that we are on different places and in different relationships. And, and so we need you because you are the one that can make this happen. It can't be just we're going to decide to be different. You have to transform us from the inside out, just like we talked about in the last series. We need a new heart, God, so that we can love those people that are far from us, so that we can, we can be passionate about building your kingdom right here in this place. In the midst of this country, which we love, we also want to serve you. So show us how to serve you first and foremost, to love you first and foremost, to share you with others first and foremost, so that we can be more like Jesus. Amen.